if you know how to suffer, you suffer much less. Imagine growing up with Bruce Lee as your father. Folks, my name is Trevor Bohm. I'm the founder of the Uncivilized Movement, author of the books Today I Rise and Man Uncivilized, founder of the Uncivilized Nation, and host of this extraordinary podcast, The Uncivilized Podcast. And today I get to sit down with Shannon Lee. You don't know who Shannon Lee is. She is Bruce Lee's daughter. If you don't know who Bruce Lee is, first of all, stop this recording, go lie down, get some therapy, go watch every single Bruce Lee movie ever created, go read every single Bruce Lee book ever written, and then you will know how I feel about the man. Bruce Lee was my childhood idol, my childhood hero. I can literally remember sitting on the couch in our 1970s living room, watching a VHS of Enter the Dragon and having my mind completely blown, completely blown, then watching Return of the Dragon and thinking, oh my God, this is what I want to do with my life. And this is, you know, I'm a kid. I'm a kid at this point. Martial arts are very different than they were today. Information was very different than it was today. And so I think my mom went out and bought me the book, The Tao of Jeet Kune Do, which is Bruce Lee's book. And I read it as a child, as like a little tiny human. And it impacted me even at that age. Not just the pictures and the drawings about the fighting, but more so about the philosophy, right? The philosophy that as a seven, eight, nine-year-old, I didn't have a damn clue about. But I knew when I was reading it, even at that age, like there was juice in this material. As I tell Shannon in the interview, I have my, uh, my BA is in philosophy. I got my degree in philosophy. Why? Because Bruce Lee got his degree in philosophy. This man has had that much of an effect on my life. And I give a quote at some point in the interview, which I won't give away here, which is the absolute rock solid foundation for the uncivilized movement. The absolute foundation for everything, every way I live can be based in that quote. And if you don't know what we're trying to do around here at the uncivilized movement, we are trying to end the suffering in men so that we end all of the goddamn suffering caused by men. And so it's conversations like this that actually move the needle and conversations like this that inspire men and women, everybody, to live more authentically, to express themselves more authentically. And you're probably wondering, like, why is this coming out on a Sunday? Your episodes don't usually come out on a Sunday. Today is Bruce Lee's birthday. Today is the man's birthday. And so when I got to sit down with his daughter, and I mean, I was like, I usually am not nervous for these conversations. I'm going to be quite honest with you. There are plenty of times where I'm like in the bathroom and like, oh shit, I have to go do an interview. And I walk out and 15 seconds later, I'm talking to someone on Zoom. I was a wreck all morning. I was sweating profusely during this interview. That's how nervous I was because this was such a big deal to me personally. And this conversation was so valuable. To hear about a woman getting to live her whole life you know, influenced by this man so deeply, but also perhaps living a little bit in the shadow or living with the weight of who her father was. So such a gracious interview. I'm so grateful for Shannon for coming on and sharing so openly. It's a beautiful conversation, talking about feelings of not enough, talking about inherent bravery, like the quote, she gives the quote of her dad's that woke her out of a deep depression and changed her life. And then I get to talk about the quote that changed mine. So without further ado, it is my great, great pleasure to bring you Shannon Lee. 
And guys, you know this, I'm going to ask you two quick favors. We have such a big goal here at Uncivilized, and I've challenged my podcast team. We want to get to 375,000 downloads by the end of the year, which means we essentially have to double the downloads we've been getting in the next two months. And so please do me this favor. One, hit pause, hit stop. Go to Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're listening. Leave us a review. It just, you guys, it helps. Like it's a little, it's, it's, it's all I can ask you to do. That and please, if you know a Bruce Lee fan, if you know a martial arts fan, if you know a martial artist, please send them this episode as well. All right? Have a kick-ass rest of your day. I love you all. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast and supporting me as you do. Without further ado, Shannon Lee. Shannon Lee, welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. Thank you, Traver. Happy to be here. Thank you. This is uh, this has been a long time coming, and I'm going to open with a quick story that yeah. I just moved into this house like three months ago, and in my 20s, so I'm 46, but I think 2023, I went on this binge of buying Bruce Lee movie posters from France, but like massive ones, Shannon. This is the, these things are like six foot by eight foot, and oh, I've wow. never had a home. I've never had a house. So move in and I tell my partner, we have this huge wall in the living room. I was like, you know what's going up there? My two Bruce Lee posters, which are giant and orange. I think it's a uh, game of death and return of the dragon. Okay. And so she takes a picture of these and goes on Instagram and says, Traver wants to put these up on our wall. How many <laughs> of you think this is a good idea? And I'm sorry to say that uh, a number of people are no longer in my life. Oh, I was going to say, well, you know what my stance on that is. So, <laughs> so like, luck- yes, do yes, it. Yes. Yeah. So they, <laughs> it, it may be coming. Uh, I didn't realize how expensive it was to frame posters that big. Oh, uh, yeah. But they're is. stunning. Yeah. They're yeah, stunning. Yeah. And oh, I, right. I will also add that uh, I think when I was 10 or 11, Shannon, my mom bought me this book. This is uh, the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. Yep. And it forever changed my life. Wow. Okay. I didn't know why. I didn't know how. But I read it as a kid. I just yeah. read it and read it and read it. And it actually was the impetus. I have a, a, I got a philosophy major in college. And I remember wow. them asking me, why do you have a philosophy major? And I was like, Bruce Lee was a philosophy major. <laughs> <laughs> so enough about all the things I want to tell you about how your yeah. dad's life and the movement's life and everything that he's created has changed mine. I would love to hear a couple ways how it has influenced yours. Sure. And first and foremost, I don't want this to be the cliche. What was it like growing up with a father such as you had? But I would I'd say, let's shift it more to an adult stance of how does the, how has your dad's philosophy or, or what he created, how is it still influencing your life and how has that changed? It influences my life every day. It has changed in that it has gotten deeper and stronger and more influential with every passing year. Mm. It has become, I mean, look, my father's philosophies, which for those who are listening, who don't think of Bruce Lee as a philosopher, (laughs) I will say they informed and and created the base and the foundation on top of which he did all of the things that people admire him for. Mm. His martial arts, his action films, the way he dressed and moved through the world, the choices he made in his life, 
um, were all informed by his philosophy. And his philosophy was informed by, in exchange, informed by life, right? Mm -hmm. And his life experience, but also informed by other philosophies and other people into which he delved deeply and did a lot of research. And because of that, they they are deeply rooted in, uh, however you want to say it, um, deeply humanistic life perspective, spiritual practice, um, you know, things like Taoism, mm-hmm. uh, which has been around for centuries, right? So I guess my point being that it has relevance to um, any time and place in which you find yourself. And it's, and, and it's like, just keeps on giving and giving because it's about the human experience. So his philosophy has in, in many ways become and is part of my own growing philosophy, my own growing way of being in the world and understanding the world and experiencing the world. And so because of that, it has just gotten deeper and I read his philosophies. And even though I've read the words a million times, depending where I'm at in my life, um, what's going on, what I'm experiencing, I suddenly understand something he said that I've read a million times in such a deeper, more meaningful, personal way that I am able to not just intellectually understand, but embody. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's an ongoing process and it's hard in some ways at this point now to know where he ends and I begin. Mm-hmm. It's all mixed up in a, in a big stew. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. For sure. Shannon, may I ask, how old were you when he passed? Four. Number four. Yeah. And let me tell you, because, you know, I, a lot of people ask me, oh, what do you remember of your father? And I know that everybody wants, everybody's just wishing that I would tell them some amazing story they never heard before. And I wish that I could. Right. But what I will say is that my experience of him in those first four years of my life were through my senses more than my mind, which was extremely powerful, especially given that one of my practices nowadays as a 53-year-old <laughs> is to utilize my senses more than my mind Mm. um, in the way that I move through the world, the choices that I make and, you know, how I'm creating my forward path. So in those years, that's what you have, right? You don't have that intellectual mind yet as a four-year-old, but the thing I remember about him is the sense of him. And what he helped to create in me, which was understanding a deep sense of love, a deep sense of personal safety, from which I have been able to draw my on my whole life. And I'm forever grateful for that. And for many, many years growing up, I thought I was a crazy person because I was like, why do I feel like I know this person so well? 
when everything society tells me is that, oh, you were four, you couldn't possibly know him. Right. And I'm like, yeah, except I know him in this like really vital way. Mm. And for that, I am grateful. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm so curious about your life. If we can just stick to the early part yeah. of your life for just a minute. Sure. Was there a point or do you recall a point in realizing when you got a little bit older, oh, wow, this this person who was my who was just my father mm-hmm. was very influential. And I now want to study his words. I want to study his philosophies. Because mm-hmm. I think for most people growing up with perhaps a famous parent, they're like, yeah, whatever, but he's he's dad. You know, he's she's mom. They're just, they tell me to go to bed. They make me brush my teeth. Like, I don't give a shit what they do in the world. They're yeah. just a parent. Do you yeah. recall a point where you felt oh, this is, there's something bigger here that I can look into or feel into. Yes. And what I will say about that is that um, a little bit, I have a different relationship with my father than other people do because I didn't, I don't have the experience of him as the person who told me I couldn't date that guy, or I had to clean up my room or I, you know what I mean? So, so I don't have any of that like personal conflict. Yeah. Um, which I want to point out because, you know, it makes a difference. We create Mm -hmm. all these little hurts and wounds around our interpersonal relationships and, you know, we hold on to them sometimes a little, too long (laughs) and, (laughs) and create, and create a whole bunch of stories around them and around who that person is. I don't have that experience of my father. So in some ways I'm very lucky, Mm -hmm. right? Because the experience I have of him is very pure. It's Mm -hmm. very essential. And some might say, oh, well then you don't, then you didn't really know him. I, in some ways that's correct, right? Like I don't have the same experience of knowing him that other people do with fathers that they grew up with, right? I still a hundred percent understand him as a human being and how he, you know, in whatever ways he struggled with his own human condition, especially now having lived to the age of 53, I'm like, oh yeah, I see you. I see that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And I would say that I didn't learn this till much later, but the but the grief that I experienced at losing my father at mm. such a young age, which I was not intellectually connected to because I was so young, really informed my desire to kind of like shut things out for many, many years. And I learned much later that I carried a very chronic mild depression with me throughout most of my life until I learned how to get free of it, which was many, many years later. But there was a point in time around the age of, let me think, um, in my early 20s, when I said, I want to know more. Mm. I want to understand him. I want to understand why he created this martial art, Jeet Kune Do. Like, I want to understand what that is. Like, what did he, you know, and it was such an 
it was such an outgrowth of him personally and him as a human being and him of all the things that he knew and, and, and about the martial arts in the world. I was like, I need to study that. Mm. I need to study it with someone who trained directly with him. My Sifu was Ted Wong for a number of years and I need to read his words. And I need, I mean, so I grew up with, I certainly, I watched the movies from a very young age and by today's standards, probably an inappropriately young age, but, (laughs) 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 but, and I knew, you know, I studied very briefly martial arts when I was like around 10 with one of his uh, students, but it was too overwhelming for me. Mm -hmm. It was too, like my brother and I, after my father died, we both shied away from the martial arts. We both, you know, it was hard to deal with and hard to think not having him there to be with us in that journey made it so that we just kind of didn't want to think about it, deal with it. And, and so I knew that he had these quotes, you know, and we had his stuff all around our house, you know, and all of that. So there was not zero understanding. There was some understanding of his influence and of some of his, you know, profound, you know, revelations and words and things like that, but very surface. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until in my 20s as an adult myself that I finally was like, okay, I want to know more. Uh, mm-hmm. Now that I'm an adult, mm-hmm. I, I have the capacity to, to comprehend mm-hmm. and, I'm a, and, I'm, and, you know, be the creator of my own journey a little bit more. Yeah. Thank you for that. I'd love to ask you an opposing question. Mm-hmm. Was there a time when the weight of being Bruce Lee's daughter was so heavy that you wished you were just Shannon Johnson? Or, <laughs> or you know, and, and kind of divorced yourself or removed yourself? Because uh, I imagine you've had an extraordinarily unique upbringing mm-hmm. in several different fashions. And I'm curious of what the weight of that, if the weight is the right word, uh, how that might have also affected you. For sure. I think it's something that I am have, I'm constantly in relationship with it. Mm -hmm. I think now at this stage of my life, I'm the most comfortable I've ever been with it, which partly comes from me doing my own work. Mm. Yes. There have been times when I'm like, this is kind of a lot. And, and I I don't think there's ever been a time in my life when I said, I wish I were not Shannon Lee Mm -hmm. in part because I have such a deep love for my father. Like Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine having the wish of not having him be my father. Mm -hmm. And in part because of what we just talked about, like I didn't have him like grounding me and like, Yelling at me and like, all the right. I mean, I'm sure he yelled at me when I was little, but you know, <laughs> I don't, you don't have like the it, teenage so. <laughs> angst of having <laughs> like stealing the car and <laughs> totally, you know. And I'm sure my life would have been very different had he lived, but that's not my experience. So, 
So I've never had the thought, oh, I wish I wasn't Shannon Lee. I think I've had the thought, I wish I knew how to deal with this. Mm. Um, Sometimes. Yeah. uh, My mom told us when we were kids, don't go around telling people that you're Bruce Lee's kids. Okay. Let them get to know you as you and like you as you. And then when they find out, like whatever, they already know you and they've already made a decision on whether they like you or not. (laughs) And that was great advice. Except then when you become an adult and then you're having, especially once you start doing for a profession what I do, which is to steward his legacy. Mm -hmm. And people are like, so what do you do? (laughs) It's like one of the first questions that people ask you in a conversation with a stranger. And I'm like, "Um, I run a licensing business. Oh, what do you license? (laughs) You know, like, and I think the only thing that became weird about it for me is I felt like I was hiding something. Yeah. And typically you hide something when there's something about it that you're kind of ashamed of, right? Sure. And I was like, but I'm not ashamed of this. Right. And so I've run experiments over the years with saying it nonchalantly, who I am and mm. what I do, if mm. appropriate and in conversation, in conversation, and not saying it. And there are, by the way, all sorts of reasons to say or not say. Mm. Like there are issues of authentic authentic connection with a human being sometimes when you tell somebody because you never know where a bruce lee fan is hiding right right right. you tell somebody you don't really know that you're bruce lee's daughter if they're a huge bruce lee fan suddenly you've become something totally else in their eyes and there's no longer really room for authentic connection Mm -hmm. sometimes it's a matter of personal safety You know, there are some people who are a little unbalanced and who suddenly become very attached in inappropriate ways. So there are reasons, as I've learned, (laughs) (laughs) to say or not say, but, and I know uh, I talk a lot, so I can be more concise with my answers Mm -hmm. if you'd like, but- um, Beautiful, thank you. I I will say that um, the biggest struggle in being Bruce Lee's daughter has, is self-imposed. Ooh, and a little more. Yeah. And, and what I would say by that is my own feelings of not being enough. Mm. My, you know, Bruce Lee is a huge bar, right? Like in what he's accomplished, what he was able to do, what he understood at such a young age, his physique, his, you know, work ethic, like all of it. And I have many times um, in my life been like, oh my God, like I'm such a failure comparatively. Wow. Right? And that is why I say my own personal work is the most healing work. It's the most healing work anyone can do, right? At the end of the day, whatever the issue is what makes the difference there. Yeah. And my father's own words, which are you're not supposed to copy me. You're supposed to Mm self-actualize. Your job is to be Mm -hmm. you. My job, I did that already. I was Bruce Lee. That's who I was. Now your job is to be you. Mm -hmm. And so that is helpful, but that's a big job. (laughs) (laughs) It is indeed. It is indeed. Yeah. 
I hope you guys are loving this conversation with Shannon. I certainly did. I want to let you know that over New Year's, I have an incredible opportunity for you. Myself, Leela Dilla, Jeremy Goldberg, we are holding another week-long retreat in the Dominican Republic, and we're going to be talking about all the things that we're talking about in this episode, about healing, about expansion, and mostly about full expression. So if you are sitting on the fence of an idea or a different way of living, or you just don't want to spend New Year's Eve getting leg humped by a frat boy in an overcrowded, overexpensive bar, please check out manuncivilized.com forward slash the dash awakening. Come join us down in the Dominican, change your life, change everything about the way you are and you live, and come meet some extraordinary humans. manuncivilized.com forward slash the dash awakening. Okay, back to Shannon. Shannon, would you mind sharing just a tiny bit, just because it's part of the conversation we have here a lot of yeah. what some of the personal work is that you're, how you describe your own personal work for people? Sure. I mean, it's growing and evolving all the time. There are things, different things that I'm working on at different times. I would say for many years, my, my personal work was to work on my own self-worth and mm-hmm. uh, sense of self-worth, sense of self-love and self-care. Mm-hmm. That's always an ongoing process. It's gotten much, much better. You know, when my brother was killed, it, that sent me into a deep, deep depression. Of course. And um, such a deep depression that it forced me to do work because I was not going to make it otherwise. And by make it, I just mean live, like live fully, you know? It's not that, um, I mean, I think anybody who hasn't thought at some point in their life, like what would it be like not to be here (laughs) is probably, you know, not being 100% honest. But I never, I never was like fully, fully, suicidal or consider any of that stuff. It was just hard to be here. Yeah. It's hard to be here for all of us, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, one of the things that's come to me is like, oh, everybody can just go ahead and think of themselves as inherently brave mm. because it's inherently brave to be a human being because mm-hmm. it's hard. So I would say once I started to heal after my brother's death, which, which was several years after his death, Mm. I started to understand the amount of depression I was carrying in my body, really allowing myself to feel the amount of fear that I was holding on to, how it was affecting me. Mm. And then over the next 20 years, 15 to 20 years after that, making a lot of, trying a lot of things, making a lot of mistakes, cultivating my own process in terms of uh, who who my best allies are, what my mm. best tools are, um, journaling, writing, um, doing deep, deep introspection, learning what my gifts are, what mm. my strengths and my weaknesses are, which are really one in the same. And finally, you know, very diligently, Release, releasing that, releasing fear, because fear is just the basis of everything that holds us back. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
and directs our choices in mm-hmm. life and and working to transform that and develop i guess what i would say deep levels of trust mm. trust in myself yeah trust in life the universe and um being willing to be alive mm. because part of being alive is experiencing difficulty experiencing loss experiencing fear experiencing the negatives i think we we always want to focus on the positives the positives the positives without ever learning how to mm. navigate the negatives yeah how to use <clears throat> them to turn us toward the positive yeah so thank you thank you for sharing your your personal experience as well uh, I've said just to piggyback off of what you said, um, like one of the two biggest challenges we have here in the US is one, we don't know how to eat, and that's a separate conversation. But number yep. two, we don't know how to grieve. Mm-hmm. We have no idea how to grieve. And and yet this human experience is gonna be like, oh, well, here you go. Yeah. Here's some practice. And then a year later, here's some practice and here's some practice. Well, my father said everybody wants to know how to win, but nobody wants to know how to lose you know and the thing is and and Chick Nhat Han who mm-hmm. who passed away not too long ago yeah had a similar quote which is if you know how to suffer you suffer much less ooh yeah beautiful you know and, and very so true. yeah that's that's what i that's what i was saying and it's what you're saying also right it's like yeah. Suffering is a part of life. It just is. And by the way, so many of us are suffering and we're not even aware that we're suffering. Right. We think of it as normal. Right. You know, and it is normal, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) But we think of it as this is how it's supposed to be and that there's not another way to be. And there is. Yeah. For sure. Chen, what... Do you have a particular quote or something that you go to or something that's kind of the bedrock or foundation that you would say about your dad's philosophy? I have one myself, but I'm curious if you have one that you that you lean into or, or just kind of stays with you that you're in relationship with. There are many. I would say that the quote that woke me up. Mm. I was, my brother had been killed. And a couple years later, I was given a stack of my father's writings because they were contemplating publishing some books of his writings. And it was like, I mean, the screen's not wide enough to show you how tall, <laughs> how tall the stack She's was. making like a two foot space with her hands <laughs> for people who aren't watching this. Giant stack of photocopies of his writings. And they were like, oh, well, we were making these copies. We thought we'd give you a set. Mm. Great. So they gave me a set. And I started looking through it. Oh, yeah. Oh, be water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I came upon a quote I'd never heard before. And the quote was, the medicine for my suffering I had within me from the very beginning, but I did not take it. My ailment came from within myself, but I did not observe it until this moment. And now I see 
If I am ever to find the light, I must be like the candle and be my own fuel. Beautiful. (laughs) And I read that and I was just like, you know, like, oh, oh, I have the medicine for my suffering. Mm. I can find it. It is there. I just have to. I just have to find it. I have to be my own fuel. I have to put in my own work. I have to cultivate my own light. Mm. And you said you got that at at a at a very low point. Yeah, I was. It was. I was in a deep, dark depression. I was probably about twenty six at the time, twenty five maybe, and um. And I received these writings, and I read that, and it really changed the course of my life, which is mm. such an interesting thing, right? How in the moment, I don't know if I could have said like, "Oh, my life has changed," but <laughs> look, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> look here. But, look, but looking back, it like it set me on a path. It set mm. me on a seeking path. It set me on a healing journey. Yeah that uh, began in in that moment, whether I knew it in that moment or not. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. Uh, if, I, if I can pull one up, this is yeah. probably the foundation of everything that I do now. I remember it reading it as a kid and remember hearing it when I was a little bit older. But when I went through my own transition and had to start doing the work and all the, the fun stuff, it was absorb what is useful reject what is useless, add what is essentially your own. And I can't think of a more potent idea as someone who's created a men's movement and trying to shift the tide of masculinity. But even on a personal level of that was probably the greatest permission slip for individuality. Yeah. That I, an authenticity that I've ever, I've ever been given. Do you, do you have a thought on that one in particular? Totally. To me, it's, it's like a formula, Mm. right? It's like, it's like a recipe that you can follow. And I will say that the first part of that quote, which a lot of people often leave out is the first line is research your own experience. Take what is useful, reject what is useless and add what is essentially and uniquely your own, right? Mm -hmm. So the first part is everything he was saying, which is know yourself. I think the biggest cause of suffering and the biggest um, block to personal growth in the world is is the belief that we need to alter outside circumstances in order to be happy, in order to be well. Right what we really need is to alter inner circumstances. Yeah. And one of the things my father said is perspective alone can can solve all your problems. Ooh. A shift in perspective. Right. Right? So like suddenly it's funny I just this morning I was listening to a quote from Pema Kodron the mm-hmm. the you know Buddhist um she's amazing amazing yeah human being and she was saying you know i was sitting you know one morning i was sitting there and i was listening to the rain i was laying in bed she's like think about it you're laying in bed and you hear the rain 
and there's this like beautiful soft pitter patter on the roof and you, and you're laying in bed and you're comforted and you're like, oh, what a lovely sound. She said, now imagine that you're supposed to be getting married outside today Mm -hmm. and you're hearing the sound of the rain on the roof. Suddenly your experience of the rain on the roof is entirely different. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not the rain, Right. right? That did anything. It's just your feeling about it. Mm. It's just your perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, I think it's so important. And my father said this all the time. And Eckhart Tolle says the same thing. It's like, it's like, it's not the situation. The situation is just the situation. It's your response to the situation that right. makes all the difference. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. Shannon, where do you think, and I know I'm asking you to project and come up with your own idea here. Where do you think your your dad had the, not the courage, but like the spark? What about him? How do I ask this? Like he, he has created something immense, superhuman, bigger than human, bigger than, I mean, it's, it's lasting and growing and still affecting the world. Yep. Was he just gifted or was there a process that he had to go through? Like, I'm curious if he lay in bed at night and was like, man, do I really want to do this? Cause this is going to change the world. And then there's going to be all these eyeballs on me and people may not like me and it's going to, or was it just boom, this is, I have no other choice, but to live this way. Do you have any idea of that or a sense of that? I def, I definitely think that there is a part of him. I mean, th- that there is an innate quality that he had. Mm-hmm. In my book, I wrote a book back in 2020 um, called Be Water, My Friend. And in my book, I, I I talk about it a little bit in the sense that I think people tend to look at my father and think, well, he was immensely talented or he was just really good at martial arts mm-hmm. and had a natural propensity for martial arts and movement. Mm-hmm. And you know, that may be so. I'm not saying that he wasn't kinesthetically gifted. I think he was, but you don't just become what he became through a little bit of talent. Right. You have to have some kind of inner fire Mm. to use an appropriate word, I imagine, that is burning and urging you Mm -hmm. in a particular direction. And I think that he, you know, we can hypothesize about the influences and motivations, you know, that he was born in San Francisco, but, you know, raised as a youngster in Japanese occupied Hong Kong, um, who struggled with his Eastern Western identity and came up against racism, uh, all over the place throughout the entirety of his life. And therefore felt that the only path he could confidently walk was his own. Mm. I think that's not necessarily an untrue statement, but do I really know like that that was the thing that suddenly clicked for him? I actually think that while that was an influence, I do think that he had an an innate curiosity, Mm -hmm. an innate love of learning Mm -hmm. and an innate desire to be creative. Mm -hmm. And that he was filled, you know, his 
childhood nickname as a as a little boy was Mo Si Tong, which means never sit still. Mm-hmm. So he had a lot of energy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he didn't do well in school because like right. sitting in a chair in school was not his idea of learning, right? right? So like his idea of learning was through life and through mm-hmm. his own experience, which mm-hmm. is where you get that quote you just so beautifully read out, right? Is that he's constantly understanding the world through his own senses, his own experience and understanding where the gaps in his knowledge are. Mm-hmm. And he has the, he has a great ability to reflect mm-hmm. and then to make change. Because I think one of the biggest problems is a lot of a a lot of us we intellectually know what our what our issues are right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't always have the ability to implement the changes right. that will be required mm. in order to help um, change our circumstances and heal whatever those issues are within ourselves. Yeah. Would you define your dad as a contemplative? Yes. I mean, he, my father, so we just sent um, his book collection up to the Wing Luke Museum Mm. in Seattle, which if anyone is there, there's a great um, exhibit going on right now around his book collection. He had in his personal book collection, 2,800 books. Wow. Wow. Um, many of them underlined and annotated in. Yeah. And in his pages of writings, and people always kind of tend to think of his writings as in a journal. They weren't in journals. They were mostly on loose leaf paper mm-hmm. and some notebooks here and there, but um, hundreds of pages of his yeah. thoughts and yeah. his processing. And one of the things I talk about in my book is that one of the unique aspects of his writings are that they are primarily solution oriented contemplative in a positive way he does not use his journal like i did by the way when i was in junior high school and high school to like complain about everything that was wrong or that i didn't like right <laughs> like <laughs> Everything is forward thinking. And Mm -hmm. I think that to me, and one of the things I've been working with in my own process at this moment in time is about this notion of forward and what are the acts that, that bring us forward. Mm. And, you know, he always talked about honestly expressing yourself and being yourself and self-actualizing. And that is a creative act. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, creativity is so important because it's a forward motion. Mm. It's a taking of whatever materials you're working with, even if those are your past wounds, mm-hmm. and creating something now and creating something new and moving in a forward direction. Because I think that we are so held and chained up by the past Mm -hmm. and we identify so deeply with the past that it it can be paralyzing. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. You brought up honest expression. 
And I have it on a post-it note as one of the three things to ask you about. I also remember as a kid reading about this and having not a fucking clue what was being talked about. And it's like, how did, what, what, what is honest expression? And again, it wasn't until my early forties when I went through the dark night of the soul and lost the things and had to go to therapy and came out and started creating going, that's actually all I want. And Mm -hmm. a life without it, it, Mm -hmm. a life without it seems to necessitate addiction. It seems Mm. to necessitate just challenge over and over and over, not to say that there won't be challenge without it, but would you mind speaking on how you see that term, honest expression, and where does expression come from, and, mm-hmm. and how do people who perhaps don't consider themselves creative, don't consider themselves athletes, or martial artists, or writers, or philosophers, or contemplatives, how does the everyday person begin to interweave or here's a better how does the everyday person person begin to cultivate a relationship Mm -hmm. with authentic expression sure um first of all i will say that when i use the term creative and creativity i don't mean just in the arts or as an athlete I think it's very, and, and so thereby I don't see expression just Mm -hmm. as speaking either or writing, right. Or creating a physical object. I think that it is, um, I think that the broader sense of creativity and what makes us all creative is that we have the ability to create our own experience. And, and by create, I don't mean like fantastically snap our fingers and make all our problems go away. <laughs> I mean, we, we have the opportunity to cultivate in every moment with every choice we make, with every thing we practice, our own experience of life, of ourselves, cultivate our, the way we use our brains, the way we use our bodies. That is a creative act. And that is expression. Mm-hmm. So, so I want everybody to understand that they are creative. And it is difficult to be creative because there's a lot of fear around creativity. Mm-hmm. Because when you're being creative, you are doing something that is slightly uncomfortable because it's not just a pattern it's not it's not unconscious and when you are attempting to be aware and conscious and making the choices that come directly from your soul from your intuition from your sense of things right. um there's risk in that because it's not familiar. Mm. And I can talk about it in terms of um, art projects, if if it's easier that way, right? Or athletics, if it's easier that way. And I think that the, that type of creativity is a nice analogy for the personal experience. Anytime I've ever created anything, you know, written a book, Mm-hmm. Uh, put myself out there as like, oh, and, and every time I've put it out there, I've thought, oh God, like, 
I hope people like it. You know, (laughs) I I hope they don't read this and go like, oh my God, this is the worst thing I've ever read. You know, (laughs) of course it's fearful. It's, it's something that came straight from me, my own sense of the world of, you know, what I thought was cool to create. Right. And if it's not accepted, then that would feel not great. Right. So there is risk in being creative, which is why it's scary, which is why it's, um, it's challenging, but also why it's very worthwhile in a lot of ways, because it is that forward motion. It requires a certain amount of presence and awareness and choice, conscious choice. And it requires some practice and some risk of failure. But I mean, the only way that we learn is through making mistakes. And if you can look at the mistakes as data, yeah, rather than oh that's it, I uh, I should never I'm gonna put myself out there again, right? Like right. you don't want to close your heart. This is why vulnerability is so important because the open heart, the heart that risks injury and is willing to remain open after it's been injured, is the warrior's heart. Mm. I'm just writing that down. That's beautiful. And I think now more than ever, that awakening is is what is going to get us through the next chapter here mm-hmm. because so many people are shut down and so much of the way people did express themselves and were able to express themselves was taken away yeah, or was terrifying or was suddenly, you know, uh, a different level of fear came in. But I just love that idea of the open heart is the warrior's heart. That is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And I think often when the word warrior comes up, the archetype is still, okay, a huge dude with a spear or a gun defending yeah. the village and not actually this is this part, our, our chests or what need, not just the defense, but just to know that someone's there to go, okay, you're going to do this. I got you. Yeah. It's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. yeah, I feel you. Yeah. I, I remember hiring a, a therapist, Shannon, before my second book came out. And she's like, well, what can we work with? And I was like, Amazon reviews. I'm not okay with the potential Amazon reviews I'm going to get for putting the book out. <laughs> she looked at me like I was crazy. She's like, do you have any? Like, no, I haven't published the book yet, but I know they're going to be shitty. Uh, mm. But it was real. It was a real thing that kept me up at night and and was the like the, the P in the Princess of the P story. Yeah. Well, let me just say this is something I've been really thinking about a lot lately, which is our minds are so active, right? Like our minds and God bless our minds because (laughs) they are just working 24 seven. They're just going, going, going. And I just, I just wish that. And I think one of the big works and one of the things my father talked about too, is like not identifying so closely with the mind and all of the thoughts that are going through it and all of the stories that it creates and understanding that the mind creates those stories based off of and as in its attempt to soothe and comfort you 
and create familiarity and grounding around the feelings that you are having, right? But that those stories that you create, like, okay, Amazon reviews, let's talk about that, right? Have you written the book yet? No, but what if the Amazon reviews are really bad? Like what then? It's like, you're, you're having fear about like the whole thing, right? Putting yourself out there, the book, what if it's not accepted? What if, what if, what if, and your mind is giving you something to concrete, to focus on, to think about, to help you manage the Mm -hmm. fear that you're feeling in your heart. But it's, this is why we have to work on the state of our minds, right? We, the one thing I say about my father is as hard as he trained his body, he trained his mind just as hard to, to use it in the direction of his creation, in the direction of what he wanted his life to look like, of the goals he wished to try to accomplish, you know, so we can train our minds. I think we have this idea that our minds are just whatever's going on in there. Right. Is just happening. (laughs) And like, ah, what am I supposed to do? You know, but we can say like, it's okay. Mm. Hold on. You know, like, yes, I see. I can see. We are scared about that. Okay. What, what is the actual plan that we want to enact? Does this mean we really don't want to write this book? Is that what it means? No. Okay, we still want to write the book. Okay, good. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) maybe we just don't read the Amazon reviews. That's right. (laughs) Right. That's right. By the way, I wrote a book and I almost, I think maybe once or twice I've looked on the Amazon reviews. (laughs) You know, like it's just, you know, like use your mind, don't let your mind use you. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Shannon, two, two last questions and they're kind of together. But what do you hope for the future of your father's legacy, the message, all of it? And then I'll ask you the second one at the same time. How about for you just personally? Where yeah. do you want to be in the next 10, 15 years? Because it feels like I did. I, I've, I, I remember meeting you, but I don't know you. Yeah. Uh, but it feels like you are in a place where perhaps you're in your most powerful place. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would say that for sure. Um, and my understanding of powerful place and power and being empowered and self-power is that I feel my most grounded. Mm -hmm. I feel at my core, a sense of stillness Mm -hmm. from which I can operate um, rather than chaos that's pulling me in a thousand different directions. Um, For my father, um, it, this was always been the goal. And by the way, I've been doing this for 22 years. So <laughs> taking some time, uh, there's been a lot of personal growth that's needed to happen also, but for my father, I just want people to know I've always wanted this, but more and more I'm finally getting there. I think so that people know this part of him that we're talking about, mm-hmm. that the reason why these performances he did and this martial art he created are so amazing and impactful is because of the foundation of self-work, 
Mm. And that we, and that in his legacy, there is something for all of us in that, right? Like that we can take that and apply that to our own experience, Mm. not to try to be Bruce Lee, but to try to be our, our most creative, expressive, empowered, and peaceful Mm. selves, right? And in harmony with our environment and our other and our fellow humans and all of that, um, by focusing on the healing of what's going on in here rather than trying to change everything that's going on out here, mm-hmm. those two things work in harmony. The minute I change this, then that changes out out there, or I'm able to suddenly see how the thing I can do can help make the change. Right, mm-hmm. so. I think for my father, I want him, I would love for him to be recognized for the depth of his, um, the real depth of his teachings beyond martial arts. Sure. Um, also the depth of his creativity, like, you know, I, I executive produce um, the TV show warrior, which is on HBO max, which is based on a, on a creative concept that he created. And we have a number of more creative things that projects that we're doing based on a lot of his own creativity that he was, that he was a phenomenal martial artist and action film star and so much more than that. And that I hope that that goes on forever. Like, just like his philosophies are based in deep spiritual truths that have been around for centuries. I hope his can be part of that mix and be around for centuries. As for myself personally, um, I'm in a really creative time right now. I'm I feel so driven to create um, everything from from like arts and crafts projects to writing projects to film and television projects to um, business collaborations. Um, because I've always looked at business as an outlet for creativity as well. Like how you run your business is a, is a creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. I am in the process very shortly of launching my own website for myself personally, mm. so that it will be a place for my own personal creative expression, which occasionally dovetails with Bruce Lee, but where I wanted to, you know, at great personal risk to my, to my heart, uh, put myself out there a little bit more. Right. And if anyone looks at it or doesn't look at it, it doesn't matter. It's just a place for me to put something and whoever is drawn to that. Great. Right. Um, that should be launching in the next couple of weeks, actually. So if you're listening, Go to the show notes and you will find the URL. (laughs) Fair, fair, fair. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for all of that. Thank you. And and other than your website, if people are interested in in the work that you do and in the the and your father's work or in in and where can we send people to get more Bruce Lee or to get the authentic product here? Yeah, there's so many places. So um, brucelee.com is our general website. We have a store there, an online store there. We have a Be Water membership, which is Mm. like an app, a Be Water app that you can download to receive daily quotes and 
be entered into giveaways and that kind of stuff for fun things. Um, we have all of our social media, which is at Bruce Lee across Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We have the Bruce Lee Foundation, which is our 501c3 public charity. That's BruceLeeFoundation.org. And you can follow that on social media at Bruce Lee Foundation across all of the. And I will say, like, I've really started to focus this year on the activities of the foundation mm -hmm. because it is really imperative to me to get these teachings um, into people's hands. Mm -hmm. um, and in particular, into uh, the, the hands of the young people coming up today. Yeah. So we've created. Um, camp curriculums that we are now growing in many cities around the country for, for kids. Um, I'm also working on school curriculums to pilot into junior high and high schools. We're working on a mentorship program. We're working on our one family initiative to create community and a sense of belonging amongst our human family. So there's a lot there yeah. that I would really like. And that, that is, I feel very called to service, but almost everything I do has some service component to it anyway. So, um, so Bruce Lee Foundation for sure. You know, my personal Instagram is at the real Shannon Lee. I'm only on Instagram. So if you come at that, at that uh, profile, so if you come across any other Shannon Lee somewhere else, that's not me. Um, I've had a lot of problems with that in the past. <laughs> um, and I'm going to be launching my own website very shortly. And you'll check the show notes for that. <laughs> Shannon, thank you. Truly. Thank you so much. And I imagine you do hear this a fair amount, but your dad's philosophy is the, is the reason I became a martial artist. It's the reason this whole thing is called the uncivilized as opposed to the civilized, just follow the standard track. Yeah. Uh, the, in his influence on my life is is monumental. Yeah. Um, and so thank you for for coming in and, and sharing who you are and your relationship with it. I really thank appreciate you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I'm so grateful to have this conversation with you. And I hope that, you know, it's it's been a good one for everyone. Thank you. All right. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.